0: Let's give it up for Jesus one more time. Man, I love our worship team. I could listen to them every week. <laughs> uh, man, welcome. Welcome to First Wednesday. Like Nate said, uh, if you are new to a First Wednesday, this, it is a little bit different environment. So um, what God put on my heart about two years ago was that from for first Wednesdays from now on that we were going to move, uh, we were going to do an exegesis, we we're going to do an exposition. In other words, um, we're going to go full chapters of the Bible at a time, and we're just going to pull out the truths in the Scripture. And so Sundays we do more of what we're, what's called a topical type of sermon, even though we may uh, we may do uh, exposition with our Scripture. And I know I'm using a lot of words. So some of you goes, I don't know what any of that means. Don't worry about it. Um, but topical. In other words, it's a topic piece joy, whatever, uh, and then we go to the Bible and find out what it has to say about it, all right? Um, But on Wednesdays, uh, we want to do an exegesis uh, slash exposition, so what we're going to do is we actually just go straight to the text, and we're going to move through a whole chapter, uh, because that is also how the Bible is supposed to be digested, right? And so the best way to make sure that you're not just reading your Bible, your Bible is reading you, is to go full chapters. And so a lot of times people will take a Bible verse and they'll quote it on their Instagram and they have no idea what it means because all they see is what they see on the surface, but they don't actually know what it means. And the only way you can know what it means is if you know what the chapter means. And the only way you can know what the chapter means is if you know what the book means. Um, and so we put in the work, uh, God put on my heart to start developing a little bit more mature believers on First Wednesdays because um, we wanted to teach you not only is this like that is this important that we do it as a church body but i want to encourage you that this is how we should read our bibles uh and so uh, knowing not just what the bible says but what it is in fact saying is really really important um and so if you want to go to pipeline you can learn all about that anyway so um we're going to go to romans 16 so get your bibles out and uh we'll pray and then we'll jump straight in all right father we thank you for tonight Uh, We love you. We just pray that your your word would reveal itself to us. God, I pray that as we open up uh, the word and we read it, God, that it would, in fact, read us as well. I just pray that you would uh, bring it alive in our hearts and continue to move us to be more passionate Jesus followers, um, that we would be molded into who you are. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Uh, all right, so uh, first of all, first Wednesdays are often a ruckus, so feel free to take part even if you're not a ruckus kind of person. Okay, so uh, so hit me with a mmm. Ooh. Ouch my toes. Okay, cool, cool, cool. We're all ready. All right, we're ready. We're ready. Alright, let's jump in. Romans 16. Romans 16 is actually a unique chapter. Paul is finishing his letter to the Romans, to the Christians in Rome. He's, so he's, he's writing uh, this last portion of the letter. Um, we've went chapter by chapter. We actually started this. For some of you who were here, we, we cracked open Romans 1 in January of 2022. Um, And so some of you were here for that. Some of you have joined the church since then. All right. But Romans uh, Romans 1 in January 22 is when we started and we're finishing it tonight. Um, And then starting next month, we're going chapter by chapter through the book of Matthew. Um, And so we're jumping into the Gospels. But uh, Romans 16 is unique because it's a closing letter, and so uh, the, he, he kind of gives a lot of acknowledgments and some of those things, and so we're going to kind of kill those out of the way really, really uh, somewhat quickly um, and, and see what's happening. So we're going to move through some verses, stop, preach a little, move through verses, stop, preach a little, all right, just to kind of catch you up. Um, I'm not going to lie to you, some of these names are ridiculous, <laughs> um, and so um, despite my Bible study, uh, I'm going to do my best on some of them, and if you hear me just hit like a stutter, just ignore it. All right, so... <laughs> Uh, Verse one, I commend to you, our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Synchria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a a, a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prissa and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their needs, uh, risked their necks for my life. To whom uh, not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their home, uh, in their house. Greet my beloved Jesus, uh, who was in the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet, uh, greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampleatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Arbanus, uh, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachus. Greet Apellus, none of you envy me right now, just for the record. Uh, greet Apellus, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. I don't really want to hang out with that family. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I read that and was like, "What? Uh, greet those workers in the Lord, uh, Trifania and Tryphosa. Greet though, uh, greet the beloved per- uh, Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncretus, uh Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobas, Hermas, and uh, and the brothers who are with them. Greet uh, Phil." Philologous, uh, Julia, and his, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. I'm not going to lie to you guys. When I got to Romans 16, I almost didn't even bother. Uh, <laughs> I was like, well, first of all, I was like, because it, it, I don't know but any, if any of you ever read the book of Genesis before. Like if you were, got, got saved and was like, I need to read my Bible. Let's start in the beginning. Anybody? Anybody? All right. Yeah. You, you got to, you got to the 16th page and was like, no, sir. <laughs> and then he begot, and then he begot, and then he begot, and all these names don't matter. Um, and so, uh, if you're anything like me, uh, when I look at a chapter full of names, honestly, one of the first instincts in my mind is like, I don't really care. I don't care about these people I've never met before. Um, and I'll never meet, you know, outside of heaven or whatever. So, um, but one of the things that God put on my heart is that there is no word in the Bible that is less important than another word. And so if God put it in here uh, through the writers, then it means something. Uh, and that was where I said, you know what, God, uh, you know, let's let's do it. Romans 16. Here we go. And I dove into Romans 16. Um, and, and honestly, even in all of my study over the years, Romans 16 has just never been that much of a priority. Um, usually we like to hang out somewhere between one and nine. Uh <laughs> But um, when I got to Romans 16, God just started revealing uh, his intention behind it. Uh, So whether it's Genesis and the names that are in Genesis and, and frankly, what what God is actually doing in Genesis when he gives us this, this lineage of names that you're going, I don't care. I don't care. These ridiculous names that these people name them, it doesn't matter to me. It may not matter to you, but it matters. Because uh, ultimately, what God is doing in a book like that is he's actually connecting dots you don't know need to be connected until Jesus shows up. And then you go, man, from Adam to Jesus, God had a plan. And so what he's actually doing is he's, he's giving you a Cliff Notes version of people along the way that is actually the rungs on the ladder that ultimately climbs us to Jesus Christ. And so names always matter. You just have to figure out why. And Romans 16 is a perfect example of that. So the value of Paul's extensive greetings to the Roman church and in doing so he names off all of these people, right? But what was important? Why did he do it? Well, it's important to understand that it was a letter to real people. Like this Romans 16 Romans in general, but definitely Romans 16, it's a letter to real people. And as far as we can see, they're ordinary people. And I don't know about you, but like how often do we love to read our Bibles and man we read about like Paul Right, and we're like, dude, what a killer! I could never be Paul, though. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Tall, t- like, like Paul walked out Jesus' words when Jesus said, "Turn the other cheek." Yeah. Anybody have a hard time with that one? Right, that, and that's not even the craziest thing Jesus ever said. But that's just one I have our time. Like, but Paul walked it out. Like when when Jesus is like, like persecution may come, but don't worry, if you have me, you have everything you need to overcome the persecution. Like, so, like, but Paul walked that out, shipwrecked, beaten, like, you know what I mean? The whole night, Paul walks out this faith so well. And so when I look at Paul, I am simultaneously encouraged and discouraged. Because I'm like, dude, what a G. And then I'm like, I could never. Come on, anybody? You ever read some of these guys and you're like, nah, you did not me. Couldn't be me. And so when we, when we read Paul, but what's actually encouraging is that these are average people. The, these aren't the Pauls of the world and the Peters of the world and the John, of the John of the Baptists of the world. These are average people, and Paul is taking note that average people change the world. And if you can't look at Paul and go, oh, my gosh, what, like, I, I, like, I, he's amazing, but I can never be there. Like, if you look at him and do that, don't worry, because you can be like Silphusen or whatever this dude's name is right here. Like, like, That is actually obtainable for you. What did he do? You have no idea. All you know was he was noteworthy, but you don't know what his notes were. And are you, w- would you be satisfied with being noteworthy even if the world never knew what your notes were? Like, what could God do in the, in the lives of our city if we just had a church that was willing to be noteworthy? In other words, making Jesus known, but we didn't care what our credit was. Yeah, that's and that's what Paul is doing with these names. He's saying, you, you'll never know what they did. But had they not done it, the gospel would not have taken over Rome. Okay. And like, that's the revelation behind these names. And I love what Charles Spurgeon says. He says this. It's a long paragraph, so bear with me. But I just pray that you'll, let it, that you'll hear it and actually hear it. I'll read slowly. He says, they were like the most of us, commonplace individuals, but they loved the Lord. And therefore, as Paul recollected their names, he sent them a message of love, which has been embalmed in the holy scriptures. Do not let us think of the distinguished uh, distinguished Christians exclusively, so as to forget the rank and file of the Lord's army. Do not let the eye rest exclusively upon the front rank, but let us love all whom Christ loves. Let us value all Christ's servants. It is better to be God's dog than be the devil's darling. I, when I read that, I was, and, and that's Charles Spurgeon's quote on Romans 16, uh, one through, I think, 16. And, and so when, you, when, we, when we read these names, we let it get into our souls. Like, man, the, I, I don't know these 24 people, but these 24 people helped change the world. And, and I, I would even dare say this. The 24 people that changed Rome and changed the world didn't know they were doing that. They were just being faithful. So in the back of their minds, they weren't like, boy, I'm getting my name in the cliff notes. <laughs> I mean, like I'm getting in there uh, surely none of them were like, "Paul's got to put me in." right? Like that wasn't their demeanor. They were so faithful that Paul made note of their faithfulness, and in doing so, listed them, and for the last 2,000 years, these names have been read to recollect their faithfulness and how they serve Christ Jesus. God could, may we always. Be worried about faithfulness more than fruitfulness, right? Like God, let our hearts be penetrated with that. These notes that are an acknowledgement of God. So He doesn't He does, but He doesn't just acknowledge that they're common people. He notes the acknowledgement of God toward the women's effectiveness in ministry. And so he actually, uh, he makes note that God used women and he used them often. As a matter of fact, one of the translations references uh, Phoebe as a deacon, um, which I think is so important um, because especially in an age where women are so limited in ministry um, that he went out of his way to make it clear that God can use women as well. Um, now. With that said, this is a family night. First Wednesday is when we talk to families. I do believe, according to the scriptures, there are some roles that God says are for men. And we honor the scripture that says that. And so I do believe that that is the case. But to say that women do nothing just because certain roles have been assigned to men is a fallacy. That's false. Uh, So, ladies, let me encourage you. God has every intention to use you to the fullness of his power. And there's nothing that your gender is to put you aside from that. And so Paul acknowledges these women. And I even wonder sometimes, it's like, was the men too busy watching football to get off the couch so the women did it? You know, type of thing. Um, Because I know in churches in America right now, much of the way women have led in the churches is because men refuse to do so. Right now on our dream team, uh, if I remember the numbers correctly, we're about 65% women. And 35% men, which means even in this house, the women have said yes more often than the men have. And that is something we aim to change. uh, Because a house not built uh, with men and fathers taking their leadership role will fall. Uh, And so I aim to increase and flatten out that percentage. Why? Uh, Because the only way you build a house that stands is when you build a house that's biblical. And the only way to build a house that is biblical is that men take their rightful seat. Um, And so I'm inviting all of you men, uh, you be the reason your family wakes up and goes to church. You be the reason that your family serves on the dream team. You be the reason your family is in small groups. You be the reason that your family prays at dinner. You be the reason that they worship in their home. You be the reason that they know what hard work looks like. You be the reason that your daughters know what a man is and not just a boy. You be the reason that your sons know what a man looks like. They don't raise to be boys. like. Step up and do those things for me. And hear me, hear me. If we as men would do those things, we could give uh, the women in our church a confidence to fulfill their God-given potential as we fulfill ours. That is my invitation. Of the 24 names here, uh, just to give you a quick history lesson, 13 also appear in the inscriptions or documents connected with the emperor's palace in Rome, meaning we know there were Christians among Caesar's household. So in the midst of Christian persecution, there were actually saved Christians serving in Caesar's household while death warrants were going out, which is something to me. So the, these are some of the names being listed by Paul. And so he comes in the beginning and he makes an acknowledgement, and which is unique for Paul. If you've been with us through other First Wednesdays, you know uh, Paul is not one known for splitting hairs. Uh, and so he calls a spade a spade. Operating in love for him usually looks like shut up and get it together. And so Paul is, Paul is not known for that. But in this particular part of the chapter, he comes in and he's expressing love because Paul knows that two things have to be true. If you're going to bring correction, you better heal the wounds. And I think that we can all learn from that because I think many of us love to see people come into correction, but we fail to be the ones that's going to bring ointment, ointment to the wounds. And so if you're going to create the lashes, you better heal the wounds. And Paul is doing that in Romans 16 by giving acknowledgement saying, here, and saying, you missed it here, and you missed it here, and you missed it here, and you missed it, and you missed it, but I love y'all, right? And coming in to bring that clarity. And that's where we get to. Verses seventeen through nineteen, and there's a big chunk happening. Verses seventeen through nineteen. So let's go there. Uh, he says, "I appeal to you." Some translations say, "I urge, um, I beckon, I, 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 I'm hoping, I'm pleading to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles or offenses." Some translations say, "Contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught, avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord." Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to do what is good, and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Now, that is a short passage, but Paul says a lot. And so the, the first thing that we see is that he, we, he makes note those who cause divisions and create obstacles and offenses. So say divisions. divisions. All right. Say obstacles. Right. Obstacles meaning offenses and, and in particular uh, about doctrine. So this has in mind both those who would divide God's people, create disunity, come into to create separation. Right. Cause divisions and those who would deceive God's people. So say division And then say deception. So Paul is giving the church of Rome a warning. Be aware that there are those that aim to create division and to create deception. Right. So he says uh, and the deception in particular is contrary to the doctrine that you've learned. So some people are going to come in to try to convince you that Jesus is not who he said he is. They're going to try to sweep you with cunning doctrine. Once these have been noted or marked, they are to be avoided. And so there's two different things that he, that he puts out there. And quite frankly, the same thing that Paul put out there to uh, the church in Romans 16 is still a, a thing that we're dealing with today. The warning then, listen to me, is the warning now. All right. And so what Paul warned them about is what uh, God is still using through the text to warn us about today. And that's why it's so important, because if many of you were reading your Bibles and you got to Romans 16 and you, wrote one, you read 1 through 16, you might have gave up before you got here. <laughs> Come on, be honest. You got to that third name you can't pronounce. You're like, you know what, let's just go to First Corinthians. So We don't even right? like. But here's here's what he's getting at as he makes a, a note of these two things. And uh, I love what Matthew Henry, uh, in dissecting, uh, dissecting these two things, brought to the surface. And I, when I read it, I even pulled Pastor Justin aside, and I was like, Brother, you got to read this, uh, because there is intent behind the language. And so what scholars have done is they've put together this paragraph, to outline what uh, he means when he he speaks of divisions. So look out for those who aim to cause divisions. Listen to this outline as to what they believe Paul's intent was. Out of pride, ambition, intelligence, uniqueness, and eloquence or the like, they, without reason, separate from their brethren and intentionally defy what has been established to stir up arguments, to generate formal disagreements, even towards authority, and evil accusations where proof cannot be provided, to alienate the affections of Christians one from another, therefore causing divisions and separating unity. And, like, man, I don't know about you guys, but you can get on social media tomorrow and watch Christians go crazy. Right? Like, again, this is a family. This is is when I talk to you as a family family. On Sundays, we're, we, we're well aware that 33% of the room doesn't know Jesus, and we communicate that way. First Wednesdays, it's me and y'all. All right? So I, I, I'm going to speak a little more candidly to you. We have an election next year, and we're going to watch Christians blow Romans 16 apart yep. because they're going to care more about their party than they do their Jesus. Come on, I'm, It just is, right? Now, don't don't get me wrong. I believe Jesus makes a few things clear on where we should stand about certain issues. But I don't believe Jesus ever ran on a platform, right? I, I believe Jesus' main goal was the gospel and unity in the body. And so we have a responsibility not to let these things eke their way into our hearts. And more importantly, to let people who aren't even Christians dictate our narrative. Can I tell you something? That world is going to hell. And before they become our mouthpiece, they have to get saved. So there is no one outside these walls or the metaphorical walls of the capital C church that should ever be a mouthpiece for you more than Jesus Christ. And so we have a responsibility to not fall prey to those who aim to create division. Again, We have stances on certain things, right? Uh, We have stances on life. We have stances on justice. We have stances on all of those things. There there are some things that are non negotiable because the book says they're non negotiable. What I refuse to do is let some soundbite from some politician be the reason that me and my brother can't sit next to each other, regardless of where we land. We have a responsibility to unity first. And everything else comes second because the gospel declares it. And that's part of what Romans 16 is declaring us. Roman, uh, Mark, uh, geez Louise, Matthew, Henry says this. Now mark those that thus cause divisions. He kind of gives us a warning. So there's, there, I was just kind of touching on a political thing. But part of what Paul is warning us about is those that make their way into our walls. Right? And and so this is what he says. Matthew Henry says theologian he says now mark those thus that cause divisions observe them the method they take the end they drive at there is a need of a piercing watchful eye to discern the danger we are in from such people for commonly the pretenses or agendas are plausible or likely so most commonly their agendas are likely in other words you can look at them and you usually know what they're about Come on, you, anybody ever notice that people have patterns? So when people come to me for counseling and they go, man, this family member did this again. And I'm like, again, what number are we on? Like 26. I'm like, that's your fault. Because <laughs> if you let them do that to you 26 times, it is no longer them that is the problem. It is you that is the enabler, right? So, so all that to say You know their agendas and what they are likely are. When the projects are very pernicious or desiring harm, do not look only at the divisions and offenses. In other words, the things that they're actually doing, but run up those streams to the fountain and mark those that cause them. In other words, don't just look at what's happening because of what they're doing. Follow the actions up to the person that's doing them. A lot of times we try to just fix the actions. All right, we try to just live in the weeds. Let me just, let me just make sure that person's feelings aren't hurt. And let me just make sure that person didn't get offended. And let me just make sure that person's okay. Let me make sure. And what you're doing is you're actually going to 5, six, seven, 12 different people making sure their feelings aren't hurt because one person can't keep their mouth shut. So what, he said, what Matthew Henry is saying is, go to that one. We can solve all this real quick and in a hurry. All right? So y'all have seen Major pain. That's a quote. Y'all can have that. Anyway, so quick, fast, and in a hurry. All right, so... But run up those streams to the fountain and mark those that cause them and especially that in them which causes these divisions and offences those lusts on each side whence comes these wars and fightings a danger discovered is half prevented So he's saying pay attention to the patterns and the habits of those who sow discord division and offence in the body they are not to be engaged but removed and so that's one of the things that, you know, uh, that people maybe fail to understand. Um, some people, not most of you, have never seen this before, um, but uh, we talked a, a few months back about sheep, goats, and wolves. Uh, if any of you were here for that, sheep uh, are is us. We we are the sheep. Uh, we're, we're those in the pasture of Christ, we're, right? So we're a family of sheep. Goats are those that are non-believers, but they're not threatening either. They can be in our pastures as long as they don't get crazy, okay? Um, but then there are wolves who are out to destroy our sheep. And uh, we are to be uh, wolf killers, wolf, wolf removers, not literal killers. That, All right, but um, we are to be those that remove wolves. So if someone comes into our church and their agenda is to hurt one of you as sheep, my job as an under-shepherd is to remove, if necessary, by force. Because I refuse to let them destroy your marriage because they have an intent to sow discord. And so uh, if you, there are moments where we've had to step in and go, you are no longer going to worship here. You need to go somewhere else. Or, straight out calling it, you are operating in the demonic you do not know christ and you won't, you not only will you not go here but without repentance i'll make it a point that every church you go to i'll make sure to make a phone call for them too and i'm not talking about someone that has some issues they're trying to work out i'm talking about somebody who's walking in with the goal of destroying lives in the church because the enemy has set those things in motion and so we will guard this house and if you I, i i, I remove someone from a small group not too long ago and someone said that wasn't very loving i said my job wasn't to love them my job was to make sure they know never to walk back in this building again because their goal was to destroy one of my own that make sense so we have a responsibility as a body to be observant of that, and your under- your pastors, myself, Pastor Dan, Pastor Rick, and Pastor Justin, that is our job, so all of you don't need to walk around wolf-killing, okay? Uh, but if you see something, that <laughs> I can see everyone just walking through the hallway, it's like, not today, dog, you know, like, <laughs> so don't, don't you're, it's not necessarily all of your responsibility. The reason I'm making you aware of these things is that you may know that should something arise and you see us handle it swiftly, and it looks like without grace, it's because we already know what we're dealing with. And so to, to make sure and understand that you understand our hearts, I want to see every person that could ever know Jesus know Jesus. But I'm well aware some people never will. And some people are going to walk into this building with, a, with the goal of division and deception, not salvation. And we're going to make sure that we weed those things out as Christ, through the Holy Spirit, reveals those things to us. that makes sense? So we have to do those things. So divisions, but then doctrines and deception, and so, offenses uh, is the text, or uh, obstacles is what the text mentions. Essentially, we have to be on guard from offenses uh, or obstacles, which are agendas that are contrary to or different from the doctrine that we have learned through Christ. Uh, whatever varies from the form of sound doctrine, which we have in the scriptures, opens the door to divisions and offenses. Matthew Henry Again, says it like this, if truth can be once deserted, unity and peace will not last long, for truth cannot be trusted again. And so, in other words, we have to hold to truth. We have to, what is truth? This is undeniable truth. So we have to hold the truth, because if we change one word in this to fit what we want it to do, we now have created a slippery slope and we can change it again. And if we could change it once, then we've given every person the inability to trust us with anything we could ever say. And so we have to hold to truth, and that's why it matters so much. So what could that look like? What are the doctrines that we could be talking about? Well, the, 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 the doctrine is that we are saved by grace through faith alone in Christ Jesus. It is not of works, right? It is a free gift. You cannot earn it. You cannot calculate it. You cannot go to God and show him all the things you've done so that you can be led into heaven. You are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to the scriptures alone, uh, to the glory of God alone. Those are the absolute truths that we hold to in our faith. Therefore, anything that says otherwise is a deception that the enemy is trying to use to move you off track. Does that makes sense? And so we refuse to let those things eke into our culture. Truth without unity leads to pride. Unity without truth leads to a departure from the gospel itself. So then Paul goes on and he he kind of breaks down a few things from Romans uh, 16, 17 through 19. And I just want to give you a a few key phrases that he says. Now I urge you, brethren, which sets the tone here about how important Paul was talking Right. I love what William Newell says. He says, mad dogs are shot. Infectious diseases are quarantined. But evil teachers who would divide and destruct the Christians in front of them uh, and draw away the saints with teaching, contrary to the doctrine of Christ and his apostles, are everywhere tolerated. In other words, like if a dog's infected, we kill it. If there's a disease, we quarantine people from it. But we let people walk around spouting off all kinds of crazy about jesus and no one does anything about it and we have a responsibility to do something about it that's why it happened before and i'm sure it'll happen again we've had people leave this church because i called heretics heretics from this spot i have no problem calling kenneth Copeland a heretic and a false teacher i have no problem doing it he does not preach the gospel he preach a false gospel, right? And there are others. I'm gonna leave that alone for another time. All right. But we have a responsibility to guard our flock. And those those men are not men of God. I don't care how many TBN channels they're on, right? And we have a responsibility to make it known that this is not a God. What they're preaching is not a gospel. What they're preaching is false doctrine, and it needs they need to be shooed away, silenced forever, and they will be one day in the pits of hell. Where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right, so, <laughs> so he urges us, smooth and smooth words and flattering speech is what Paul uses to outline what it would look like. In other words, they come in and it's so eloquent, it's so smooth, it's even flattering. And what he means by that is it even feels good. So some of the preaching, some of the teaching, some of the things that comes to it, the way they communicate, it, they'll use the Bible, but you almost can't see that it's deceptive because of the way that they put their words together. It makes you, it makes you God and God a genie. I'm going to say it again. It makes you God and God a genie. And you do these things, and because you've done these things, Jesus has to do these things. And that no longer puts God on the throne. It puts you on a throne, and it puts Jesus at your command. And there is no doctrine that puts you on a throne and Jesus at your command, except for one that takes you to the pits of hell right? And so we want to be aware of that. Smooth words, flattering speech, deceives, it deceives the hearts of the simple. In other words, uh, those that have a desire to know God, but don't have the intellect to know what to resist, which is why we have nights like tonight is to make it plain. They do not serve the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, their own delights, their own desires, uh, their own appetites. Uh, but your obedience is important. Be wise in what is good. In other words, be knowledgeable in the truth of God's word, and uh, and then he says, be innocent to what is evil. In other words, know nothing of what is evil. Just be wise of what is good, right? And so we need we want to be aware of that. And then he says, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly, which I love this, because he says, um, Tawel says, any church with the well-deserved reputation of the Romans who stays on guard against dividers and deceivers will see God crush Satan under your feet shortly. And so that's what I love about this. What Paul is saying is, He's saying, these people, y'all killed it. Great job. Keep going at it. These are think, church, you need to be aware because the enemy's at work. So make sure you don't let these things eke into your world. Don't let them become part of your doctrine. Don't let them become part of your theology. Don't even tolerate them inside the walls of your church. They will destroy your believers. But if you'll hold steady to the truth of the gospel, then the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. And far too many of us can't figure out why peace seems unobtainable while we're tolerating false doctrine." So we keep people around us that are disruptors, and we keep doctrines around us that are deceptors, and we can't figure out why well, we don't have peace. And peace is found when both of those things are removed from our lives to the best of our abilities, right? Um, but one of the things that I love that he pointed out, he says that we see that God does the crushing, but he does it under the feet of the saints. And I think this is so beautiful, um, because I'm the, like the I'm the dude that likes to get my hands dirty, right? And so, um, like, I, we joke around. So we have a venue control team who's like security on campus, right? Uh, and shout out to our venue control team because they're all like, I love those dudes. Uh, uh, but one of, the, one of the problems we have is, uh, oh, I have to hurry. One of the problems we have is uh, part of their job is to, like, secure me and guard me and take care of me. Uh, Vince or Ray, whoever's playing the keys, come on up, man, so I'll stop. Uh, so... <laughs> So one of their jobs is to protect me. The problem is they all know that if something were to pop off, I'm probably getting involved too. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, so it's, it's, they're like, listen, we don't know what to do with you. I'm like, who knows, man? I don't know what to do with me either. Uh, But I'm the kind of dude that loves to get my hands dirty. And so reading this text actually gives me great joy because I love the fact that God makes it plain through the apostle Paul, that it is through his power that Satan will be crushed, but that the saints get to be one of the ones doing the crushing. I want you to think about what the enemy has done to wage war against you and your family. I want you to think about what he's done to try to take you out. I want you to think about what he's done to try to embed his evil thoughts into your mind. I want you to think about the the direction he led you on the roads he took you down, the ways that he was trying, even maybe when you were a child, to make sure you didn't become a person of God. Now I want you to read the text through that matter. It'll be the strength of God, but listen to me, it'll be under your feet that you get to experience the crushing of Satan himself. Let that bring joy into your heart. If you're anything like me, that brings joy to me. I don't need a reason. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So It brings joy to my heart knowing that the Apostle Paul communicated that. And One of the things that I think is so important uh, is that ultimately the true crushing of Satan won't happen. Until Satan is bound and cast into the bottomless pit, which is in Revelation chapter 20. So ultimately, the the true binding, casting, and crushing of Satan himself won't actually happen until Revelation 20 happens, which will be at the end. So that will be the moment that Satan is truly crushed. But can I tell you something? Every victory in your life from now until that moment is a reminder to Satan himself of the unending doom he cannot escape. So be encouraged because every time God pulls you out of that dark place, he's reminding Satan that one day I'm going to finish you once and for all. Every time he pulls you from that depression and that anxiety, that the enemy tried to bring that dark cloud over you and he pulls you out and you walk in here on a Sunday morning and you lift your hands and you make a proclamation, all hail King Jesus. That's one more time the enemy is reminded of his unending doom that awaits him in Revelation chapter 20. He knows the book better than we do so though he may try to come against you he is reminded constantly that there is something that is awaiting him he cannot escape and that is that Jesus Christ himself will crush the head of the enemy one more time and every time God is victorious in your life he is reminding the enemy that he will never be victorious because God has all the power and so be encouraged and to think you might have stopped at all the names. You know what I'm saying? If there's some stuff in this book. Y'all got to read it. I'm telling y'all. He goes into some honorable mentions in verses 21 through 23. <laughs> Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. <laughs> so do Lucius and Jason. My kinsman. kinsmen. I... Teretius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erisus, the city treasurer, and our brother, Cortus, greet you. And, you know, I, I read 21 through 23, and I, <clears throat> I skipped pr- past it pretty quickly because there was more names. Um, and, like, God brought me back to verse 23. And, I, like, I read it again. I could feel like, God, what are you trying like, I just see it, but I don't, you know, it's not impressive. Like, I thought I got everything out of it. 17 through 19 did it for me, y'all. I was like, let's go. <laughs> Crushing him under my feet. Y'all remember that kid's church song? He's under my, <laughs> under my feet. Anyway, all right, so some of y'all didn't grow up Pentecostal. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know what i talking about. Under my feet. Okay, anyways. But uh, he brought me back to 21 through 23. And this is the, what the Lord put on my heart. There will not be another Paul. There won't be another Paul. And I think oftentimes we are trying to equate our lives to Paul's, to Peter's. There won't be another Peter, despite how many of us try to with our obnoxious mouths. <laughs> there won't be another Paul. There won't be another Peter. There won't be another John, the one that Jesus loved. There, like, there... Those apostles and original disciples, those, that was it. There won't be another one of those. And when I go to my word and I go to my Bible, I, I, if you're anything like me, I subconsciously and even unintentionally, I want to be a Paul. I want to I be a world changer. And the closest person I know to Paul is Pastor Dan. And Pastor Dan, he's just like Jesus, Paul, Pastor Dan, and like John Piper and Tim Keller are out here somewhere too. But Pastor Dan's right here. So, um, but God, God just spoke to my heart. He said, "You know, there'll never be another Paul. That's it. But there will be another Timothy." And do we do we? Do we feel like failures every time we don't reach becoming like Paul, not realizing that that was never the agenda? We were never supposed to be the one that transformed the whole world. We were supposed to be the one that learned from him and carried our weight that was not noteworthy. That God has placed on your life a desire to pull from you every ounce of calling and anointing to see you accomplish every single thing he's put into your life, to pull that out of you and to to change every person's life you change. And you may never be noteworthy like Paul. you'll, You'll never write letters that go into the manuscripts of God's word. You'll never write those things. But may you be so noteworthy that all of heaven knows your name. A Timothy... Tertius a Gaius because if you look Paul Paul wrote the letter Tertius pinned the page and I think so many of us want to have the words but I'm going to tell you what if God's desire is to speak the words for you for your family for your job he's just looking for someone that's being willing and faithful to pin the page Because we follow Paul as Paul follows Christ, but we read the words of a man you never knew existed because he was willing to write them down. And I think many of us, because we can't figure out how to put the words together, we're saying no to Jesus. I can't serve like that. I can't do those things. I won't do those things because we haven't reached Paul level yet. And I'm telling you, what if you were just someone in the notes instead of being noteworthy? What if you were just, what if you played your part? You don't have to be Paul, but God never asked you to be Paul. He asked you to be you. So be faithful as you, be faithful in your calling, be faithful to the gospel, Be faithful to lead in every element that he's asked you to lead in. And I feel like this is a word from heaven for someone in here tonight, probably more than one. Stop letting the enemy tell you you can't and that you're disqualified and stop running from what God keeps trying to help you say yes to. And just say yes. Because you can create that kind of influence. Verses 25 through 27, very quickly, he goes into the doxology, which is a, a declaration of praise. He says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for so long, but has now been disclosed, and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ, amen. And the last thing I wanna leave you with is something that if you don't know it's there, you'll miss it. But Paul ends with Romans 16, the way he started with Romans one. And in Romans 16, 27, I'm going I'm to take verses 25 through 27 and, and push them together to create one phrase. Now to him who is able to strengthen you to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Christ Jesus. Because if you've been under my teaching for any period of time, you know that God is consumed about one thing and one thing only, and that's his glory. Paul ends in Romans 16. It's an obedience through faith to the glory of God. And in Romans 1.5, this is what he says. Through him, we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And if you know Psalms 23, the term for his name's sake means for his glory. And so from Romans 1 to Romans 16, Paul makes one thing abundantly clear. All of this is to the glory of God. May your life and everything you do in it, on the offense, pursuing the call of God, but on the defense, resisting all the things that the enemy may try to do, and everything in between, be for the glory of God in your life, that you could be a walking testimony to Jesus Christ. And through that, you may never make it into uh, the book as a Paul, but maybe you could make it in as a Timothy. Maybe you can make it. The city may never know your name. You may never end up on TBN. Praise God. You may you may never be on a Christian network channel. But if heaven knows my name, all I hope to hear is "Well done, good and faithful servant." Amen. On, amen. Let me pray for you. I want to pray for you quickly tonight. I went over on time, and I'm sorry. Uh, one of the things we want to do is uh, we want to make sure we're going to pray for our students. I know some of them can't be here this Sunday, so we're going to pray for them as they get ready to go back to school next week. And so um, I'm going to pray to. Actually, let's just do that now, students. If you guys will just stand wherever you're at on in the room, they turn the lights off. That's which is fine. You can. I just want to pray for you. If you're near a student that's standing, if you just put your put their hand on a shoulder or something like that, let's just pray for our students um, as they get ready to go. We're going to do this again Sunday, um, but we want to pray for them now. And so. Let's just pray for our students. So, Father, we just pray right now for all of our students. Father, we pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would put a boldness for their faith deep down in their hearts that can't be touched by anything else. God, I pray especially for those that are coming back with a fresh fire, a belief in their spirit. That the Holy Spirit is alive and is speaking to them and they're following the doctrine of Christ, that they're saved by grace. And that through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, he has made a way that we can experience eternal life and eternal glory in heaven. I just pray, God, that you would let that be something, a fire that cannot be put out. And that a boldness would rise in their heart to not only be a believer, but a declarer. To not only allow God... It to penetrate their hearts, but they would be the ones that help speak life and the truth of the gospel into their friends. And so God, we just pray for all of our students tonight. Father, I pray that they would know that regardless of what may happen outside these walls, we see them as a current generation of world changers, that they don't have the potential to do great things, they are doing great things for your namesake, that they don't have the potential to be leaders, God, that they would recognize all the ways that you are calling them to lead right now. And so, Father, we just pray for that, and we aim to see all of your callings fulfilled in their life, and we thank you for it, God. So give them joy, give them peace, give them strength, give them courage, give them wisdom, God, give them patience, but more importantly, Holy Spirit, fill them up, so that even when they get bumped, it's you that comes out of them and not something else, God. And so we just thank you for it. We love you in Jesus' name. Thank you, guys. Let's just close out with this last prayer. Father, we thank you and we love you. I pray that as we finish the book of Romans, God, that our hearts would be penetrated to live a life to the glory of God. We thank you tonight and we love you. In Jesus' name, say it with me. Amen and amen. You guys have a great night.